As an agribusiness expert with Alliant Energy and a farmer, I know how important it is to get the most out of your land. I know that also applies to getting the most out of how your farm uses energy. That's why Alliant Energy offers free farm energy assessments. With a farm energy assessment, someone like me will find all kinds of ways to help you save money and energy. We can even connect you with rebates to help make energy equipment upgrades even more affordable. Schedule your free assessment at AlliantEnergy.com slash FarmEnergyAssessment. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up Podcast, a victorious episode, a gut reaction, presented by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me is my co-host and partner in crime. He is your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, dude, one first down the Denver Broncos allowed from the first to the third team. Only one first down through the whole entire game on Friday night. you got to tip your hat to that defense. I tip my hat to the defense and to the coaching staff and Vance Joseph. And I've been his biggest critic, but i got to give him props. They were ready to play yesterday. And uh, it was good seeing a victory for the Broncos, finally. Yep, they've been few and far between, even in the preseason. So we're going to take him uh, while we can get him. And we got a lot to, to sink our teeth into tonight. But just real quick, a couple quick points of business. Number one, you guys, make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod, and the site on all the appropriate social media channels like Facebook and Twitter. Find us, Mile High Huddle, Broncos on 24-7. Also, if you haven't done so, take some time and leave a creative review on the show, whether you're on iTunes, Stitcher, iHeart, YouTube, Google Play, Spreaker, Spotify. The show's on Spotify now. So wherever you're at, leave a creative review, rate the show. Very important to us. And also, for those of you who are interested in becoming Mile High Huddle VIP subscribers, you've thought about it, you know, you've gotten close, but you've just not been able to get over the hump. You have the opportunity right now between this. We're, we're tracking this on Saturday. So between now and Wednesday, the 29th, you'll get the opportunity to do uh, try Mile High Huddle VIP subscription. That gives you access to all the film reviews, X's and O's, advanced analytics. We talk about the insider message board for 30 days for the cost of one American penny. So here's what you do. You go to the website, go to the top. There's the little green banner. Click on it. And choose the monthly option. And at checkout, use this code, first month MHH. The code is first month MHH. You'll be locked in for 30 days at the cost of one American penny. So you can put us to the test. And just like any subscription, if we're not up to snuff, if we're not everything that we say uh, we are, you know what you know what to do, right? So one last piece of business uh, before we dive into Broncos Redskins, we got to say thank you to our sponsor, Audible. Go out and get yourselves a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash huddle up over 180,000 different titles to choose from whether you're on iphone android kindle or mp3 player it's a great product a great app a great service for those who like to read but don't always have time to sit down and turn the pages 
on those books that you want to read. It allows you to get these books under your belt while you're multitasking and doing other things. I'm a huge fan, huge proponent. That's why I'm thrilled that Audible came to the table as a sponsor of the show a long time ago. But uh, go to audibletrial.com. Trust me, you'll like it too. audibletrial.com slash huddle up and uh, get that 30-day free trial and a free audiobook. All right, Zach, so Broncos 29, Redskins 17. It was the dress rehearsal. And on top of it being the most important preseason game of the summer, it was also the first test of the 2018 Broncos on the road and all of the little challenges and obstacles that come along with that, including playing in front of a hostile environment, a hostile crowd, which obviously FedEx filled. It's not like it was regular season, you know, filled to the gills. Mm -hmm. But you got to love how the Broncos responded, especially to being on the road. Yeah, like I said, uh, credit to Vance Joseph. He had the team ready to go. Unlike the preseason opener where they were kind of like sleepwalking, Mm -hmm. they came out with energy, intensity. They wanted to win that game. And it was also the first game of the preseason and the only game of the preseason that they kind of game plan for. They put right. some in- install in for this game, and, and it showed. Um, the, the first team offense came out with urgency. The defense swarmed and held Alex Smith to, I think, 33 yards on three completions. They just, yep. it was an inc- incredible showing. I got to tip my hat to the coaching staff and the players. They were definitely ready to go. And it's not easy traveling from Denver to the East Coast, and they kind of responded. That's right. Yep. And as you say, I mean, everyone's wondering why don't the Broncos they're falling flat and why aren't we seeing more creativity and why isn't the defense playing with more intensity and and in reality you can go back and look at some of the the last two games leading up to Friday's bout with the Redskins and you could see that Joe Woods was calling some blitzes he was throwing some things but you hit the nail on the head this was a the, one of the reasons you could sense a palpable difference this time around is that this team was prepared in terms of a game planning perspective and a preparation perspective. They kind of approached this more like a regular season game, and it came out in the wash. And one of the things that jumped out right out of the gates was the first team offense just moving the ball up and down the field, just consuming clock. Now, they came away with 17 points out of that 29, the first teamers did, and Case Keenum, uh, he's still yet to find the end zone as a passer in this preseason so he'll he'll break the ice when the regular season rolls around hopefully that's on the season opener against the seattle seahawks but zach i mean he looked a lot more comfortable i mean you know he he came out a little lackluster in the opener two possessions six plays two three and outs the next one he took a step forward uh, against the bears it was a little bit more to analyze that got some points on the board a couple of scoring drives but this time you could actually see the Broncos offense under Case Keenum get into a, a groove what were your thoughts on Keenum yeah he's improved incrementally over the last three weeks and that's what I thought would happen in the first week he wasn't that comfortable it's a lot of new moving parts like we talked about a couple weeks ago uh, the second game a little more comfortable but his passes were sailing kind of high he was accurate he was consistent he was 12 of 18 for 148 he didn't have a touchdown but he led the offense to points another note I give Bill Musgrave a lot of credit because he kind of opened up the offense he didn't show too much they don't want to put too much on tape yet uh, but that reverse to Emmanuel Sanders he kept the defense honest. He, you know, it was a good balance of plays, running pass. So uh, Keenum, I have no problem with him. Uh, he was efficient. He led the offense to point, didn't turn the ball over. It's everything you want to see from him as your franchise quarterback. And one of the things I liked, and it's it's all based on establishing the run, was that they were able to capitalize on a couple of shots, one to Emmanuel Sanders down the left sideline and the other 27-yarder that, you know, in theory, if maybe if it's going up against a different uh, level cornerback, not Josh Norman. I know Josh Norman's not what he used to be, but nevertheless, 27 yards down the right sideline to Cortland Sutton, maybe in a different 
type of opponent that could have been an even bigger play. But it all is based, Zach, around establishing that running game. And there's two things that jump out to me uh, on that topic. Number one, there is zero doubt, absolutely no doubt, that Royce Freeman should be and I think will be the lead dog running back for the Denver Broncos moving forward. And it's pretty simple. There's no excuses with Freeman. He just, when he touches the ball, he finds a way to get it done, and he bounces off first contact more often than not. The other factor to this offense being able to take a major step forward as a rushing attack and a deep shot play action attack is this offensive line has just come together. And, you know, there's a couple lapses. You saw Max Garcia get beaten a couple times. And, Shocker. of course, Connor McGovern got driven back on that one sack on, on Keenum late in the second quarter. But as a body of work, you got to be excited also about this offensive line. I love the O-line's play. And like I said, it's not surprising that Max Garcia was beat. Fortunately, Ronald Lear will be healthy for the regular season, so Garcia shouldn't see the field. Uh, but one thing that jumped out to me was that Jared Valdir, the new right tackle, did not allow a single pressure this entire preseason. That is outstanding considering the level of play from oh, yeah. Donald Stevenson and Mental League Watson. It's just a breath of fresh air. Uh, the O-line was keeping Keenum clean the whole night. Uh, no pressure, opening up holes in the run game. And I feel like this front five was built more for the run than the pass. But the fact that they're giving Keenum time to set up, that's even more encouraging. And uh, in terms of the running backs, Freeman 100% has to be the starter. There is no question anymore. Uh, he's just He has explosion. He has wiggle. He has power. He's that lead dog. He's that workhorse. And I want to say that I'm disappointed in Devontae Booker. Again, he did nothing. Nine yards on three carries. He's running like he has weights tied around his ankles. Yep. I'm going to eat some crow because I thought he'd be the, n- the number one running back, and I thought he'd hold on to that job for at least a couple more weeks. Mm. But Freeman has passed him up, and I would even venture to say that Philip Lindsay has surpassed Devontae Booker on the depth chart. But right. it's also a good problem to have. All these new running backs, this, this complementary backfield, it's going to really help the offense, and they will be a run-first offense to set up the pass. Yeah, to talking about Lindsay, I mean – you could see what kind of uh, juice he has in the eyes of the coaches because this isn't just an undrafted rookie that's coming in and playing cleanup duty. If you want to see what the typical late-drafted or undrafted rookie deals with uh, or is given in terms of an opportunity, look at what David Williams has been getting the last three weeks. That's mm-hmm. what your typical late-round running back or undrafted running back is going to get. But yet, in the case of Philip Lindsay. We're seeing him run with the first team. We're seeing actual play designs over the last two weeks to get him open in space so that he can make a play. And one of the things you got to love about Philip Lindsay is, yeah, I mean, he's small. He's diminutive, in fact. but And that's always called into question. One of the reasons why he fell completely out of the draft was the NFL didn't see a utility in his ability to pound it between the tackles. He's just a gadget guy at best. You know, he's a perimeter type of running back, perimeter type of weapon, and that's that's a limiting type of label to put on him because we've seen between the tackles, he can he, – he's not going to run anyone over, but he is – that burst through the hole, I mean, he's small enough and he's so fast and quick that he's through that hole before those big uglies at the point of attack are able to even realize what hit him. He's at the second level. He's at the third level. We saw him rip off a couple of decent-sized runs. I think he had six total touches on the night, and he tallied just shy. Just Let's just call it he tallied about 50 yards on mm-hmm. six touches. And if he can continue to do that into the regular season, you might have it as as Devo- or as uh, Royce Freeman, 1A, and Phillip Lindsay, 1B. And if you think about that as an idea, just going back even one month, who'd have thunk it? 
Yeah, what stuck out to me was Lindsey actually came in after Freeman, and he spell and he was got getting touches before uh, Devontae Booker. He finished with five carries. Uh, Booker had three. D'Angelo Henderson had seven. Royce Freeman had five. So the pecking order is definitely changing changing shape a little bit here. And there is a market in the NFL for smaller running backs. Look at Darren Sproles. He made a career out of that. Yep. He's never going to be a, a three-down, you know, 30-touch-a-game runner. But that's not the NFL anymore. It's not a one-back sport anymore. You need three or four backs, like Vance Joseph said, and they're going to have a committee. And Philip Lindsay has come on and impressed as a runner on special teams, as a pass catcher. He really can do it all. And I think there's no question that he is your third down back, and I think he did surpass Devontae Booker for that job. Now, where does that leave Devontae Booker, though? Hmm. What role does he have on the team if he's not the pass catching back? Is it? Does he have a? Does he have a job still? Is he gonna get cut? I, I don't know what they're gonna do, but I, it's definitely Freeman and Lindsey are trending upward, and Booker is trending way down. If it's a production-based business, the coaches at some point have to, and it has to come out in the wash. They have to acknowledge his failure, Devontae Booker's failure, to make any sort of an impact. Even David Williams. Now, granted, he was going against uh, third-team competition, but even David Williams, which was more prolific and explosive, especially as a receiver, we'll talk about that maybe here in a little bit, but then Devontae Booker. So to answer your question, I think the Broncos have more of a potential as a running back stable to be versatile, to be explosive without Devontae Booker. Because here's the thing. Mm -hmm. If you – let's say they keep four – Actually, yeah, let's say they keep four. The odd man out, more more likely than not, is going to be David Williams. And in such a case, you saw how explosive he can be when you get in the ball in space. We still haven't seen what Williams could do with a first-team caliber offensive line blocking up front and opening some holes. So you're taking away from his potential and explosive um, the possibilities there by continuing to give Devontae Booker the plotter, the guy who just is – he doesn't have an explosive bone in his body. You're taken away from your team in order to satisfy some draft pedigree. So I think there might be some tough decisions made in this department, but it wouldn't surprise me if Devontae Booker, even though it's a long shot, were to find himself on the outside looking in. He would get another opportunity somewhere in the NFL because you know he was a fourth-round pick and he's still perceived to have relatively uh, you know low tread on his NFL tires, but – I'm just not seeing it. And if the Broncos were, you know, if the Pickens were a little bit more slim in terms of the talent the Broncos had at running back, I could understand why you'd maybe make some sacrifices to keep Booker around. But, I mean, this looks like a unit that's got some legs on him, Zach. I would not be surprised if Elway makes some calls and tries to trade Devontae Booker. You never know. All these injuries in the preseason, uh, they can they can potentially get a, a fifth-round, sixth-round pick in exchange for him. It's who do you keep? They're not going to keep five running backs and a fullback. And I think Janovich did enough last night to yeah. earn his place on the final roster. So there, I have a 53-man roster prediction coming out tomorrow. I'm not going to give it away. But I will say I think they keep four running backs and one fullback, Janovich. And those four running backs, I, I think Williams goes to the practice squad. That's first and foremost. Yeah, Good probably. developmental player. I don't see him on, on the active roster. Uh, Freeman's a lock. Uh, you know, Lindsey's a lock, I think. I don't think you cut Henderson. I think he's shown a lot, too. He was leading rusher yesterday at 32 yards and seven carries. Yep. Who who do you keep? If you're going to keep four out of the five, do you keep four backs? Do you, do you right. keep Devontae Booker? Do you trade him? They have a really tough call to make, but I think this couldn't come at a worse time. He had to show something 
now that Royce Freeman's balling out. And to put up another dud yesterday, yeah. it just makes his roster chances that much more perilous. And it might be one of those situations where because Booker has taken such a back seat and Williams has yet to really flash in a way where the Broncos are worried about losing him on the waiver wire, they might that might lead to the team just saying, you know what, why carry four when we can carry three and, and call one up from the practice squad? Let's cut Booker. We're keeping Janovich. And you use that extra spot at a place where you're really deep or could use additional help, whether it's at a weakness spot like uh, cornerback or off-ball linebacker, or if it's one of the places you're really deep, like defensive line or you know the wide receiver. So it'll really be interesting to see how that roster math shakes out. And, again, we're tracking this on Saturday. So look for that uh, 53-man roster prediction from Zach on Sunday on the website. But let's move on. I want to talk about the wide receivers really quick. Obviously, Emmanuel Sanders – uh, was just beast mode. The guy had eight targets in the first half. Eight targets. Now, he only hauled in four because clearly they have a chemistry, but they're still working on ironing out the kinks, he and Case Keenum. But he also had that phenomenal end around, I think it was 27-yard touchdown. Mm-hmm. That He just looked like a – I mean, he just looks reborn. We've talked about it a lot on this podcast over the last month, but he just looks so – energized and passionate and explosive. He looks like a number one wide receiver again. And then conversely, you have Demarius Thomas, who, you know, really, he sat out last week and he had, I think it was one reception, if I'm not mistaken, Mm -hmm. um, from Case Keenum against the Redskins. But, I mean, he kind of looks like he's lost a step. Now, it's such a small sample size that you don't want to weigh in on anything absolutely in terms of throwing shade Demarius Thomas's way. But whereas just six, six weeks, two months ago, we were talking about, you know, the Broncos are probably going to have to make a decision on at the end of this season and keep just one of these two wideouts. We were all leaning toward Demarius Thomas as a former first-round pick, as a guy who's up there in the record books, as being that guy. And Emmanuel Sanders getting uh, handed his walking papers. But now it's looking like you got to flip that script. If, any, if this continues into the regular season, you're going to see the Broncos, of course, keep Emmanuel Sanders around. And Demarius Thomas might find himself on the outside looking in. And then last thing here, Cortland Sutton. I mean, this guy's going to be a weapon. This might shake out, Zach, with your actual starting receivers by halfway through the season as Emmanuel Sanders, Cortland Sutton, and DT rotating in. You know, that's kind of a three-headed monster. But Sutton, DT really giving way to more reps for Sutton. First of all, reborn is the perfect word to use, and I've written that extensively. I've used it a couple times. He admitted that he thought about Sanders, did that he thought about quitting football last year. He questions his dedication to the game. And a lot of that stemmed from injuries and lack of quarterback play, positive quarterback play. He is definitely motivated to perform, and I think not only for the Broncos, but for his NFL future. I think he wants to showcase to 31 other teams that he can still be a weapon in the NFL, and he's doing so so you know thus far. And that chemistry with Case Keenan, they went to a, a passing camp a few months ago. Uh, they worked in training camp together. They stayed after. They have really clicked, more so than DT. And I wrote about Demarius Thomas that he was a loser in my stock report. He was a faller from the game. There's just not a lot of balls to go around. You can't feed everyone. And it's a good problem to have. You just have too many receivers. But he was definitely the loser of that game when Sanders caught four, David Williams caught three, Sutton caught three, D'Angelo Henderson caught three, and, and DT only had one catch. Now, I'm not trying to press the panic button on him yet. But right now, it's looking like Sanders has more of a chemistry going with uh, Keenum 
than Demarius Thomas. Whether who shakes out at the end of the season, who stays and who goes, I still think the Broncos are inclined to keep their homegrown guy in Demarius Thomas and maybe look to flip Emmanuel Sanders. He's going to get a big contract if he keeps this up. Yeah. Um, they can have some value for him. They have to get rid of one, though. I don't think they can keep both, especially not after drafting Sutton and Hamilton. So uh, right now, Sanders is definitely the higher value player, but I think in the regular season, they will complement each other very well, and it's a good problem to have. You yeah. can rotate all those guys. They can all play in the slot. They can all play outside. Uh, so I think Case Keenum is the biggest benefactor of all these receivers uh, coming together. Yep, and you also have to tip your hat. We can't forget about Deshaun Hamilton, who came in most primarily. He saw a couple of first-team snaps, but primarily served as uh, the go-to guy for Chad Kelly when the second team came on. And, you know, really when it comes to the second team, Kelly, I mean, it it was, I would say, a little bit of a step back in terms of, you know, they didn't get a touchdown. It was the first game of the preseason in which Chad Kelly did not have a drive that resulted in a touchdown. However... It was three consecutive scoring drives, albeit field goals. Do you think Chad Kelly did anything to hurt his uh, stock in in the eyes of the coaches in the front office of sewing up the backup job behind Case Keenum? No, he definitely didn't hurt his stock. He went 7 of 11 for 73 yards. He didn't turn the football over, which was a positive sign. He didn't hurt it, but I don't think he helped it either. He didn't cement his his place on the roster, and he didn't convince John Elway and Vance Joseph that, hey, we don't need a veteran. We don't need to keep Paxton Lynch. Let's go into the season with two, me behind Case Keenum. They're still clinging to some sort of hope, I think, that Lynch can show something in the finale, and, and they could justify keeping him. Uh, but Kelly didn't hurt his stock, and I think they still, ultimately, I still think Lynch is a goner. I still think they would cut him or trade him if he has any value, and they will go with Keenum and Kelly in the regular season. And if you free up that spot, you can keep another running back, another receiver, another lineman. Yeah. Uh, so that's what I like from Chad Kelly. He didn't turn the football over. He led to scoring drives. It was a productive game, but it wasn't that uh, headline-grabbing game like you've seen in the last couple of weeks. I was really irritated when Paxton Lynch took the field because, and I'll I'll give it to him that you know it's not saying much, but it was certainly the best he's looked so far this preseason. Yeah. Going three of seven, thirty-nine yards, finished with a rating of sixty-one. But that's still not saying much. Okay, he was still very uh, pedestrian, and if not subpar, why would you give any of those snaps? to Paxton Lynch when Chad Kelly's the guy, let's face it, that this team is seriously considering as the backup. They gave him first-team reps, albeit you know scout reps, though, uh, last week. Vance Joseph talked about how the utility of that for the regular season. That gives him some experience in the huddle with Matt Paradis and Demarius Thomas and Emmanuel Sanders and the ability to establish at least the beginning of some chemistry and a little bit of a relationship and a little bit of trust there. Why... Obviously, they're thinking they, they wouldn't have given that to Chad Kelly, okay, even as, as a scout rep for the first-team defense if they weren't strongly considering him, if not have already made the decision for him to be the backup in 2018. And with that type of thinking, Zach, why would you take away any opportunity for Chad Kelly to get live bullet reps in order to give a lost cause another seat at the table? And to me, there's only one thing. Now, who knows? Maybe they're just hoping against hope that Lynch can, you know, quote unquote, be something or show out or whatever. I don't think that's it. I think there's one reason, and they, it, it does tie to hope. Hope does have something to do with it, but it's the team hoping Paxton Lynch will show enough to just bump his his uh, 
you know, his stock up enough in the in the league to justify just so the Broncos can unload him for a seventh conditional seventh round pick and a song and be done. So at least John Elway can say I got a little something from him instead of cutting him and then also having to eat some of that dead money. First of all, how sad is it that we're celebrating a former first round pick in the fourth quarter of the third preseason game? completing three passes <laughs> when that's a positive sign for Paxton Lynch it's just a sad development there's only two scenarios as to why they played him I can only think of two scenarios like you said they want to up his trade value and have him put something positive on tape so another team comes calling yeah. or they want to justify and and keep him they, they want him to show something and they can justify keeping him on the roster that's that's it you, there's no reason why you take reps away from Chad Kelly unless they want to keep Kelly healthy and not risk injury other than that, though, I don't see why they put him in the game, and he didn't do anything. 39 yards on three passes, no touchdowns, no picks. Yeah. Uh, they led him to a field goal, so maybe his his trade value went up to a 20-25 seventh-rounder. That's all you can hope for at this point. I, I don't see yeah. why they would put him in the game, but I guess Elway wants to uh, uh, prove that he still has some value. He did have one decent throw that was dropped um, by DeAndre White, so down the left sidelines that was you know it was it would have been a tough catch but he should have caught the ball and that would have helped pad lynch's stats a little bit but i'm gonna put you on the spot here zach we're going into the final preseason game we're not going to see the starters again until september will the broncos sign an outside veteran to come in and back up case keenum or do you think chad kelly's going to be the man I can see it both ways, honestly. Um, I, I would honestly think that they go into the regular season with two quarterbacks. I know I, have, I said they'll, they're probably going to sign a veteran, but I think right now Kelly has shown enough. He hasn't bombed. He hasn't regressed. He's improved. Uh, so I think they go into the season with two quarterbacks, Keenum and Kelly, and then with all these calls to make at running back, a wide receiver, at yes. offensive line, secondary, that spot could really be put to better use than having three quarterbacks. So uh, my gut feeling right now, unless Lynch just throws for six touchdowns on Thursday, and even then it might, be, it might not be enough, but I think they go into the regular season with two and get rid of Paxton Lynch. That's one of the exciting things about this is that Chad Kelly has helped himself, obviously, in this process. There's no taking away from the accomplishments he's made in such a short period of time this summer. But he's also benefiting here from the Broncos being extremely deep at a few positions and then also having a few spots that are questionable that you know they could use some additional depth. For example, maybe they want to keep both Brandon Marshall, Todd Davis, obviously, but Josie Jewell, and they want to keep Zaire Anderson because... They also want to keep uh, Alexander Johnson, A.J. Johnson, but they know Johnson's nowhere ready, yet they don't want to risk him to the wire. So this Chad Kelly situation, you know, assuming they, they part ways with Paxton Lynch, allows them to keep five, even if it's short term, long enough to get A.J. Alexander Johnson up to speed and then cut Zaire Anderson and then, you know, use that roster spot elsewhere. So Kelly's helped himself. He's helping the Broncos in that same regard by being able to shore up other positions with that additional roster spot in which they were going to have to carry three, but he's also being helped along by some of that roster math and some of these other position battles. But you know what, Zach? Look, this is a situation where all we can do is analyze what's in front of us in the most recent information. And two weeks ago, uh, when we saw Paxton Lynch fall flat on his face and we'd only seen one game from Chad Kelly, and it was a good one, you know, it's easy to go, maybe the team, yeah, the team needs to bring in a backup. Let's just say it. Like, if we're really hedging our bet against disaster here, 
maybe they need to bring in a, a backup. But look, empirical evidence has unfolded further since then, and I think I'm with you. I don't think the Broncos will go out and sign an outside veteran. I think Chad Kelly is the guy moving forward. So tip of the cap to, uh, cap to him. We'll see how that shakes out. But real quick, before we move on, let's just touch on uh, the first-team defense who looked absolutely phenomenal, held the Washington Redskins and Alex Smith to zero third-down conversions. And obviously, you know, they were going against a very stout, very beefy offensive line. You know, you got Trent Williams, who I think is the best left tackle in the league that did a good job keeping Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb off of his quarterback. But you saw Adam Gotz's flash and get a sack. I wrote about that on Saturday. Uh, DeMonte Thomas, I think, was the true star of the, that first-team defense. And, and it's impressive with all the studs that are on that unit to see a guy like DeMonte Thomas show up, show out like that, especially when he was playing that dimebacker role. And he'd only received a few practice snaps in that role in the week leading up to that game, Zach. I think he locked up a roster spot. I, with Jamal Carter out of the picture on IR and Sua Craven still MIA for whatever reason with knee soreness, uh, they're going to keep four safeties. And I think Thomas, he came out of nowhere in that game. He had a couple third down stops. He, I think he had four tackles and an assist. Um, he was good in coverage. He was matching up against tight ends pretty well. He looked good last year, and he he was a victim to the numbers game. They had too many safeties on the roster. Uh, given a chance with the first string, I think he locked up a roster spot. So he was definitely an MVP of that game. But the entire defense, I mean, you're looking at the production you have in that game. You, Von Miller, first of all, he had three quarterback hits and a half a sack. The guy is just incredible. Uh, Gotts has had a sack. Uh, Demarcus Walker had more pressure. Bradley Chubb shared a sack with Von Miller. They were just swarming on defense. So it was very encouraging to see after the last couple of weeks where they've had some uh, miscues. Now, uh, uh, on that topic, though, I will say the run defense is kind of scaring me and Todd Davis is kind of scaring me because they ran right at him and Adrian Peterson coming off the scrap heap yeah racked up yardage this is a fourth rated defense against the run last year and Adrian Peterson of all people this is not the Adrian Peterson of the Vikings came in and just ran rough shot on them so uh, Todd Davis they ran right at him and they ran right at Bradley Chubb They, they gotta fix that uh, it has to be better. They had all their starters except for Sula Cravens. Uh, but other than that, though, you, you got to be happy. Even Shane Ray had a sack. So that should tell you something. Yeah. I, I give them a lot of credit. They played phenomenally last night. And one other thing I'll say is, you know, all of the knee-jerking about the uh, passing defense, you got to see Denver's vision for their three cornerbacks, their, their cornerback trio. They were all out on the field, Chris Harris, Bradley Roby, Tremaine Brock, and you did not see them with the exception of Bradley Roby getting beaten on a play where he was playing way too far off coverage. Mm. Um, I mean, but still, you're going to give up a couple of passes like that each and every game, no matter how good your passing defense is. So I think they did a lot to kind of alleviate the concerns in Broncos country. Would you agree? I would agree, but the one concern that still remains is that secondary and below those three cornerbacks to death. I am not comfortable at all with Yadam or Langley. Yadam could be something, and he has some developmental uh, talent and upside there, but Langley is just struggling. You can't get it. This was a third round pick last year, and he's getting owned by third and fourth string competition. They got to do something, I think, because teams are going to take advantage of that. They're going to start having four and five receiver packages and and really hurting them. So they got to, you know, Vance Joseph and Joe Woods both were secondary coaches. They have to start coaching up these cornerbacks, or else I would sign a veteran like Kayvon Webster. That's my only gripe. Uh, You know, when C.J. Smith is looking like the best depth (laughs) corner over your 
two very recent third round picks, you know, you got a problem. And I'll agree with you on the Yadam front. Like I, I'm on record as saying that I think some of the knee jerk reactions to Yadam is a, is a little bit much, but then he goes and gets beaten for a touchdown by the, whatever it was, I think it was the third team unit against the Redskins, which it might've been a miscommunication thinking he had help over the top. I don't know, but it's just not a good look, but he does have some, some long-term upside give him give him some time to develop and get some of that NFL coaching under his belt but uh, it was good to see that cornerback triumvirate on the field and executing at a high level and we still have some uh, questions from the mailbag to get to but before we do we got to say thank you to our sponsor FanDuel you guys it's been a long off season without football obviously uh, these last three weeks have been good uh, good for the soul but FanDuel has spent that off season getting into the best shape of their lives that means this. FanDuel is ready for more. More ways to play, more ways to challenge your friends, your buddies, and most importantly, more ways to win. Now, I've been playing on FanDuel for a long time, and it is hands down my favorite place to play fantasy sports, even in the preseason. FanDuel has never been more fun or easier to play. And if you're not a fantasy expert, FanDuel especially is the best place to play. They take care of you. But they've got something for everyone. In FanDuel, uh, you can do the gridiron pick'em, which is fun and rewarding. You can play with friends, uh, like I do with some of my buddies that we've been in the same league for years. We play together on FanDuel. You can uh, do the beat the score contests are awesome. Preseason contests are running right now. There's the week one Sunday million dollar contest. So there's all kinds of different ways in which to ply your trade, ply your hand at uh, fantasy football with FanDuel. And they are. They really are. You see them everywhere. They're the leader in fantasy football, and especially daily fantasy. We all know how fun fantasy football is. It just it takes an already excellent, compelling, phenomenal game of football to another level, making it that much more fun. And with FanDuel, you don't have to wait until the end of the season to see whether or not you won the league pot. You can compete daily for cash and prizes. I know a lot of people have made some coin on FanDuel. So if you're looking to take your fantasy football experience to the next level, you absolutely have to jump over to FanDuel. And right now, you can get a $20 bonus when you make your first deposit on FanDuel. So come play with me over at FanDuel.com slash HuddleUp. That's FanDuel.com slash HuddleUp. All right, so before we get out of here, we'll take a couple questions from the Mile High Mailbag because Zach and I are your football priests, and we're always here each and every week to offer up absolution and answers to your burning Broncos questions. And we're running a little bit short on time because some of the things I got cooking, both Zach and I, you know, we do try to have a little bit of a life outside of uh, Denver Broncos football. So anyway, our first question here, though, Zach, comes from Randy McKim. His question, is Carlos Henderson still in the Denver Broncos plans? Uh, No, I don't see how he makes the 53. Who do you cut to put him on the roster if they keep six? You have the top four that are locks. Do you cut Tim Patrick? Do you cut Isaiah McKenzie? No. Can't do it. Uh, I don't. I wouldn't do it at all. He hasn't proven that he should be given a roster spot. I put it on Twitter a few days ago. A lot of people agree with me. It's unfair to the players that have busted their hump every single day of the past you know, two months in the whole offseason for a guy who just because he has draft status working in his favor to come in and just be gifted a 53 spot. So, no, I think in a best-case scenario for Carlos – if he proves to John Elway that he wants to play and that his, his head's in the right place, they'll put him on the practice squad. That's the best-case scenario. Other than that, though, I wouldn't even keep him on the team at all in any sense. I wouldn't waste a spot on him. He has not shown anything. He has not 
tried as hard as he could to be the player that they think they could be as a third round pick. So is he in their plans as a, as a key contributor? Not at all. Is he in their plans for maybe a practice squad spot? Maybe that is the best case scenario. Now I think the hope should be at this point. I'm not any expert. I'll go out on a limb and let you know this on all the different uh, injury and non-football injury designation tags that players can be given that, that, uh, keep them from having to go to the waiver wire that keep teams from having to cut them and expose them to the waiver wire so maybe there's some kind of non-football maybe you can charge it to emotional psychological injury problems I don't, <laughs> maybe there's some kind of way the broncos can keep him within the organization without actually having to waive him because technically he's not on the 90-man roster so where does that leave him I, i'll just be honest i'm not an expert in terms of if he's if he's going to be exposed to the rest of the league come final roster cutdowns, I'm not an expert on that. But I talked to a guy uh, close to the organization, a guy that I trust, just yesterday on the phone, and uh, we were catching up and talking. And I asked him what he's heard about Carlos Henderson since he returned to the building, and he said it's been crickets. So don't expect any mm-hmm. kind of uh, you know sudden development on that. And as as you said, you laid it out in perfect. I mean, it's. You can't take away from the body of work that Tim Patrick's put in here. I mean, you just can't do it. And you know the the other spots going to Isaiah McKenzie. So if it's going to be six receivers, no one besides the name Tim Patrick can be that guy. Carlos Sanderson's just going to have to find a way. Maybe the team has to risk him to the waiver wire. Maybe they just cut him and uh, wash their hands of the situation. We'll see. But he's not going to play any factor in 2018. Then the uh, last question that we're going to get out of here comes from Tracy Sandoval. The question is, how do you think, based on what you've seen, let me couch this, you got the dress rehearsal, you, re- you got a Broncos team that was able to game plan on both sides of the ball. So Tracy's question, Zach, how do you think the Broncos will be this year? What I don't know if exactly Tracy's asking for a record prediction, just an overall feeling of uh, how good this team's going to be, but what you've seen in the preseason, how do you project that into the regular season moving forward? In terms of a record prediction, I'm going to say they hover around the 500 mark. I think 8-8 eight and eight is kind of their floor for this season, and they're going to get three more wins from last year just based on the fact of having a better quarterback, having a better supporting cast, and hopefully better coaching. 8-8, eight and eight, I think, is their minimum there, and that'd be pretty good. I don't think it'd be enough to save Vance Joseph's job, uh, but I think uh, the ceiling here could be 10-6. and six. If everything comes together, if Keenum is the Keenum from last year, if last year wasn't a fluke, if the entire offense gets involved, if everyone stays healthy, these are all big ifs. This is definitely best case scenario. It doesn't happen in the NFL. And I think they can win 10 games. They can push for a wild card spot, maybe even the West. You never know. Uh, But I do think I'm going to tend to go more on the 8-8, 9-7 side, only because I am still not sold on Joseph being the one to lead this team back to the playoffs from what I've seen. I admit they looked better yesterday, and it was a credit to him. I'm just not sold yet. He has so much more to prove to me and the fan base that he can be the guy to get him back to the postseason. And that's fair. And I'll say this, Tracy, that um, you know, as far as record predictions, I'm not huge on making these record predictions. Sometimes we got to go through the motions as as guys that cover the NFL, and you make your record predictions. And I can't disagree with anything that Zach said there um, in terms of actual record. But here's what I will say. Everyone keeps wanting to crown the Chargers as the preseason favorite to win the AFC West, and I understand why. They are phenomenally stacked from a talent perspective, and they have uh, the most proven quarterback. But they're just one of those teams that you got to believe it when you see it. You can't crown the Chargers in August because they've just proven over the last seven, eight years 
they're going to find a way to screw it up. They're going to show you flashes. They're going to be dominant flat out at times, but they just can't ever get over that hump where they can string it along into a consistent uh, product on the field that you can hang your hat on. So what that means for your Denver Broncos is they are going to have a chance and if I'm going to go out on a limb at any point right now after the third preseason game, what I will say is that your Denver Broncos will be in the conversation and will compete for the division crown in 2018. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, that's all the time we got for today. Apologies for this show being a little bit shorter than our typical. You know, we try to keep it to within about 45 minutes or an hour, uh, but we got some outside demands that uh, are drawing us away. But you can find my partner here, Zach, on Twitter at Kelberman. 24-7, and myself, at Chad and Jensen. We try to be active on Twitter, so uh, find us there. We look forward to that conversation. And make sure that you're subscribing, y'all, no matter where you're listening to the show, because this season, we're talking about it now. We saw the product on Friday. It's going to be a doozy. And also, for those of you who've been kicking around the idea of pulling the trigger on being a VIP, remember, you can get it for 30 days for a penny by using the code FIRSTMONTHMHH at checkout. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.